Okay, Boker Tov, everyone. Today is day number six in Teves. And I hope you're having a wonderful day in your family. Um, we are learning Tanya in memory of Shoshana Bas Eliezer, who is the uh, mother of Esther Hacken. May her soul be elevated on this day and bless her family. Um, today's Tanya, we are in chapter number six of the Tanya. And we're talking about the other side, the dark side, the klipa. Um, and we explained that klipa is any is a sh- is a sh- uh, peel of the of, a, of the fruit covers over the fruit. So too with godliness, it, klipa covers over godliness. And we explained what is klipa. Everything that happens under the sun, um, basically, that's not for God. All thought, speech, and action that that is mundane, that's not directly before Hashem. Um, so today's lesson, we're beginning with explaining um, that God only resides basically where there is something bottle sub- submitted su- submission to Hashem. So similarly, all words and all thoughts that are not directed to God and His will and His service are all garments for the animal soul. This is the meaning of the term sitra achra, literally the other side, in other words, not the side of holiness. The side of holiness is nothing but the indwelling and extension of God's holiness. Now, what does God dwell on? God dwells only on that which is sur- surrendered to Him. Whether the surrender is an actual one and visible, even at the surrender's being the external aspect. In that, in, basically, you could see how He's uh, nullified to God, as in the case with supernal angels, whose entire being is constantly and openly surrendered to God. Or whether it is a potential surrender, as in the case of every Jew here below in this physical world who has the capacity, thank you, for surrendering himself completely before God, though martyrdom for the sanctification of, through martyrdom for the sanctification of God's name. Basically, every Jew has the ability to have this Mesiras Nefesh. If someone tried to force a Jew to forsake Yiddishkeit, to worship an idol, for example, every Jew. Um, is willing to sacrifice his life for that. So internally, we have the potential to surrender ourselves completely to God, but it has to be revealed. Um, and that's called potential. So God, so that also has the ability to be nullified before God, and God can dwell on that. This is why our sages in Pirkei Avot say, even if one individual sits in and learns Torah, engages in Torah study, the divine presence rests upon him. What do you mean if you're sitting by yourself and learning Torah? Why? Because when you're learning Torah, you actually surrender yourself to God, right? Um, and that reveals your innate ability to surrender to God when you like have self-sacrifice. Um, why? How? Why is it surrendering to God? Because you're setting aside your own activities and and you, you're focusing on Hashem at that time and that causes the divine presence to, to rest upon you when you learn Torah also 
on each gathering of ten Jews, a minion, the divine presence rests. That's what it says in the Gemara Sanhedrin. Always, together, ten Jews form a congregation of Israel, which is a fit abode for the divine presence. That's what's interesting. It says that if an angel was to go next to ten Jews sitting together, even if they weren't studying Torah, the angel would get, get a fright from the, the Shechina that, that is together uh, when ten Jews get together. Uh, well, but that's, that's all... Huh? Uh, the angel would be in awe of the divine presence that's there. Anytime ten Jews, are ten Jews get together. Because there's a divine presence that comes with the, when a minion of Jews get together. How much more so when they're studying Torah and praying, then it's even more powerful. Uh, now, so that's all the holy side. The angels are always completely surrendered to God. Our souls are surrendered to God with capacity. Sometimes it's not revealed. Sometimes it is revealed, but it's always potentially that way. But what about things that are the opposite? They're not surrendered to God. They're ego. They're, uh, they're the I, the capital I. So how does anything live if it doesn't get from God the holiness because it's not surrendered to God? It gets through what we're going to learn is called achorayim. That's count the hindquarters. It's when you give something. There's certain things that God wants and then there's certain things that God wants only to test us. Klipa, its existence is only there so that we can have free choice. But it's not really the end, it's the means to an end. It's the means for us to ability to not pick it. Hashem, it's like the Zohar talks about the prostitute that's hired by the king to test his son. Does God, does the king in this case really want the prostitute there for to, to effectively do what she does? No. Wants the prostitute there only to be able to show how great the son is, that he's wise enough to not pick that. So there's certain things that they're end within themselves and some things are a means to bring out something. That's what klipa is. Klipa is. So Hashem gives it its energy from the back. Anything, however, that does not surrender itself to God but considers itself as if it is a thing separate unto itself does not receive its life force from the holiness of God. To return to the Alter Rebbe's words, a self-styled separated being does not receive its vitality from the pnimiyot, the inner aspect of the holiness, from its very essence and core, but from the, its acharaim, the hindport, so to speak. So, what does that mean? It's like giving something to someone that you don't want to, it's like you have to pay your taxes. <laughs> Ken, is that the way people, do they give it with a smile? Okay. This limited form, I think Moshe Feivel told me that he actually loves paying his taxes. Losing a bet. Because, losing a bet. When you lose a bet, here. Here, take it, right? This, this limited form of life force reaches the klipot by descending degree by degree through myriads of levels in the chain-like descent of the worlds in the manner of cause and effect. Basically, God condenses his light. Now we're on page 68. This vitality also goes through many tzimtzumim or contractions and this process diminishes the vitality to the point where it is incomparably lower than an original state. So greatly diminished does the light and life force become diminished uh, become diminution after diminution until it is able to become contracted and clothed in a manner of exile, meaning that instead of being um, surrendered to the divine life force, the object in which the vitality is clothed masters it. As for example, a captive in exile is mastered by its captive. So Hashem puts himself in jail. Why? Because when Hashem is giving life to beings that, that recognize God, right? 
So then they openly are nullified to the light inside of them. But when Hashem gives life to the klipot, they don't recognize Hashem. So he, he makes himself so small that, that, that he's literally in Golos, in exile in them. The vitality is thus in a state of exile within this object, which is, in other words, which considers itself separate from holiness, giving it vitality and existence, causing that object to pass from non-existence to existence. So that it does not return to its original state of non-existence as it was before it was created by the vitality clothed in it. Anything that doesn't have the vitality of God at that very moment becomes nothing. So too, here, if the, if the klipa didn't get their energy one second, it would disappear into nothingness, return to nothingness. Hashem gives it power to exist so we could show that we don't listen to it and, uh, and bring about... Uh, the elevation of all of Klippa with Mashiach speedily. Amen.